Well, hey guys, uh, welcome back. Uh, it's just the three of us today. Uh, we can't find anybody else that will sit with us. <laughs> so, We've run everybody yeah, off. We, everybody else is afraid to even say hi. They'll get invited to be on this panel. Um, but hey, I think we're at a very important place right now uh, as pastors in our churches. Um, and, and, you know, I have this, this resident concern, uh, almost to the point of fear, and that is this, that uh, I don't want the things that we've been talking about to be a series. I don't want it to be our, our summer fling, you know, let's do this because it's summertime and, you know, nothing like that. Uh, I don't want us doing this because it's, a, it's the right political thing to do now. There, there's, there's so many ways that what we are doing could be misinterpreted. But I think for us, uh, we want this to be part of our DNA um, a manifesto for our own lives. Here's here's how we want to live. Here's something that really needs our attention, and and so um, I've jotted down some some notes. Uh, I sent them to you guys about two minutes before we started, so you haven't had a chance to really really take a look at them. But but I think we'll have plenty to talk about here today. Um, I think the real question for us is what is what is God saying? What we want to know what he's saying, what's going to happen long term with all of the things that, that we're discussing here. And what is it that that God wants to do through his church, the, the church that, that Jesus founded and gave his life for? Yeah. And um, that's that's who we are. That's what we're about. And and I'll just start with this this thought. You know, I've, I've had um, so many people respond to the series and, and thankfully uh, almost everybody it's been a positive experience. Um, I, I've heard from a lot of people, and I think this would be probably most true of the white church, that there are a lot of things that we're learning in this listening and learning time that we've never heard before. I'm reading a great book about, uh, I can't remember exactly the name of it, but um, what happened in, uh, what county was that in? Oh, Prince Edward. Prince Edward County. What really happened in Prince, Prince Edward County? I've never heard, actually, I've never heard of Prince <laughs> Edward County. And I'm reading the book and I'm like, oh my gosh, how could, how could this really happen? And, and, and I think a lot of us are saying, hey, we've been enlightened. We're learning things. You know, this is horrible. I had no idea. And I think that, that those are all wonderful things. But the gift of enlightenment, of enlightenment for me really needs to be combined with the responsibility of the gospel. We can be as enlightened as we want. I, I, how many times have we gone to church, been yeah. enlightened, and walked out the door and nothing changed, nothing right. was applied? And so this cannot be that. If it is, then uh, woe is us. I, I think God has... Um, this is a very special time in our lives, the life of the church in America. Um, there are three things that I, I, I'm going to throw this out there, and I don't want you guys to kind of pick up on, on this. Uh, things that, that I think we underestimate. Uh, we underestimate the depth of our own sin, mm. personally. So, so, if, so if folks, uh, those of you who are watching this today, make it personal. Let's get down to the heart of, of who, you know, of you, uh, of me. Um, what is the depth of our own sin? Where are we falling short? Where are we racist in our, in our, own, uh, in our own lives? Where is our own hatred? Um, it's, it's our flesh. That, that's one thing we underestimate is our, our own mess. 
The second thing we underestimate is the power of the world, the culture and the pressure it puts on us to conform to this, that, or the other. And, and, and then the third thing, and I think it's the most important, is we truly underestimate the demonic powers that have been set loose to destroy not only our country, but the world. I mean, this is a spiritual thing. And I, I'll read a, a passage here out of Ephesians chapter 6 in, in just a moment. But but as, as good as the culture and government and social organizations can be, that's not where we live. We live with something that has power, something that has, uh, but, but it's in a spiritual dimension. Um, Paul wrote this in Ephesians 6. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Now, that's, that's just that alone is something we need to understand. It's not blacks fighting whites. It's, it's, you know, it looks that way. That's what comes out many times. But that, for the, for the believer, that's, we should have no part of that. This is not against flesh and blood enemies, but it's against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We're talking about demons. We're talking about Satan himself. Um, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So the intro is over. Yeah. I, 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 first of all, Anytime we get on this subject with Ephesians 6, I think it's something as, as Christians, as believers, that we really have to open our eyes to see what's happening in the spirit realm. And you would think that as, as a believer, as a Christian, it's just like a known fact. There's right. something happening in the supernatural. Uh, but in that same scripture, I love that how, how Paul points out to put on the whole armor of God for we are wrestling not against flesh and blood. He says that, we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that word, the wiles, is translated from a word, methodia, the methods. Mm -hmm. And in America, in our country, and even in the American church, one of the methods that the enemy has used is to divide people based on strictly color, class, or anything that makes us different. And we have to not only attack it from a, from a protesting standpoint, we must protest, we must change policies, we need reform, we need all of these things. As a church, as believers, we must attack it spiritually, knowing that this is a method of Satan to divide us. Right. And I see, for us at least um, in, in this country, division is the norm. Like, we are so, we're used to it. It's just... We expect division, even even in marriage. Like we expect marriages to end in divorce. Uh, we 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 are so used to division, not realizing that as kingdom citizens, that God has called us into this unity. We're so used to self love and, and, and self preservation that we 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 leave out the fact that God has called us into loving others and coming together. So I love getting on this topic because this is a responsibility that I believe we have as a church. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Um, it, it's so right. I think if you take an honest look at Scripture, um, from the very beginning, it's been a device of the enemy. Uh, we've talked about this um, in the previous week, but you see it in the garden in Genesis where Satan appears, and immediately, that's exactly his strategy and his plan, I don't know how Scripture can make it any more 
plane is that he wants to drive wedges of division between us and God. So he tempts Adam and Eve, says, hey, when you do this, when you disobey God, you're going to be like him. So he's driving a division there. And then you see in um, Adam and Eve's offspring, Cain and Abel, he gets Cain to turn on his own brother. Um, and then we're just off to the races, so to speak, yeah. in Scripture. It's always, uh, you see it over and over and over, part of the plan of the enemy is to destroy. And um, I think that's why, Pastor Greg, your first point in this is so important, where we have to recognize the depth of our own sin personally. Yeah, right. Before <clears throat> I point my finger and start preaching at somebody else, and I think this is where we have to be so careful in these conversations. It can go into any conversation, but obviously we've been having these conversations around the context of race um, and in a little bit of upheaval, so to speak, not to put it lightly, uh, in, our, in our culture right now, in our climate, that um, especially, again, as a white man, I don't want to just come you know, to my own defense and act like that there's no problem in my own life and point my finger at whether it's a political party or whether it's, you know, some other person that I want to label as the enemy. Um, but I have to first look inside. Um, Jesus himself taught us, he said, wait a minute, before you start trying to pick a splinter out of the eye okay. of somebody else, you might want to pay attention to the two-by-four in yours. Yeah. And what Jesus was saying was, you can't enter into an honest um, conversation or you can't even live in an honest way if you are unwilling to look in a mirror and realize that we all have biases. Mm. Whether that's racial, whether that's so social, whether whatever it is. We, we all have blind spots. We all have areas in our life. We've all sinned, Scripture says, and come short of the glory of God. And we need to walk with humility and understand that I need to look inward before I start pointing a finger outward and understand that um, once I do that work and realize, I, hopefully I'll realize just how much of a hold that the enemy of our soul spiritually has on us. Because if, if he can get a seed in me, then I can begin to see hopefully how he's put seeds in, in and around our culture and address the real issue. Um, and so I think it's so, so important to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Like, we're wrestling against flesh and blood, or not flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of darkness. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, I need to first put a mirror on me and say, what does it need to change in me mm -hmm. so that I can be part of the solution, not the problem? And that's why we're, and that's why we're coming from the Word of God. Yes. Yeah. In that... <clears throat> We and we talked about this before. We understand that there are roles that we all have to play, and some of us play dual roles. It may be doing work within the community or social work that we do to transform things. But we we come from the Word of God because this is the basis for our entire life. It, all of the truth of God, and I'll even go back to the Ephesians six. He says that we are to gird our waist with the truth, put on the belt of truth. Mm -hmm. Everything in my life is held up by the truth. And I don't, I don't always wear belts, but when I do wear belts, usually it's because I'm trying to hold hold things up. And and everything in my life is held up by the truth of God's word. And that's what we're here to do. And that's and that's why we're speaking to our churches to to let everyone know that we all have a responsibility to to bring about 
what God wants to do in our lives, and it's through the truth of God's word. What I'm, what I'm about to share, uh, I want to share from just a pastor's heart mm -hmm. for, for, for a moment. Um, I totally agree with what you both are saying about the word of God. We've, we've staked our lives on it. I'm sickened at times by how people use the word of God yes. to yeah. make their social point. Yes. I am sickened by what I read on Facebook where we take something, most times completely out of context, <laughs> to use it in our two-by-four yeah. eyes yes. so that we can whack somebody here and whack somebody here. We have totally missed what Jesus did for us. We have totally missed what Paul has taught us to do Absolutely. and to be. Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I would just implore everybody listening right now, hey, you don't need to defend God's word. You don't need to defend God. He yeah. doesn't need your help. What you need to do, what I need to do, is fall on my face before God and say, God, what do you want? Where am I, where am I failing? Where is my sin? Show me my sin. Don't, I, I can see other people's sins. I, I'm blind to my own. Would you show me that? And, and, and would, you, would you change my life? Yeah, so um, good. I want to I talk about that. And, and we're going to go, you know, the book of Ephesians, I, I, if that's the only book that I'd ever been given, I, I'd be fine. You yeah. know, I could read all these other things. But, but in chapter 2 of Ephesians, we begin to, to see something that, that God really wants to teach us. And what a great time in our history, in our lives, uh, to, to be understanding this. But uh, we were, we've been talking a little bit about what it's going to take for us to change us being believers the christ followers and and what is it that's going to change our churches we we want to we don't want this to be a summer fling a summer series we want this to be a lifestyle yeah. and so uh, the first thing that that i wrote down was the fact that we need a revelation from god a personal revelation as leaders, but as believers, we we need to hear from God. We don't we don't need to hear from all of these other places right now. We need to pray and ask God to give us a, a revelation. And, and the, the example I want to use, we'll talk about this guy. We're going to beat him up pretty bad today. Is, is Simon Peter, who was the founder of the Christian Church. He, he I mean, he was the guy that went out there and did what he was supposed to do. He was an absolute racist. I mean, heart and soul racist. This is right. These are the people. And, and it, they were the Jews. They were the ones that were going to get this gospel. If he had just watched Jesus a little bit, he wouldn't have been that way. He missed the, the whole John 4 going through Samaria. Of course, he didn't, probably didn't have his Bible then. You know? but, but, but he missed that whole thing. You know, I, I think Jesus did send them all to go get some food. He was on the trip. Well, he, 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 he got he out there to read about yeah, it. He was there. Yeah, he yeah. was there. Um, he was he was with Jesus. Uh, it, you know, for the whole three years of Jesus. You know, but he just missed it. Yeah. And in chapter two, I'll, I'll just start, and I know that that you guys will have some things to to bring into this. He he starts out saying, "Don't forget," and I I think we could. You know, we're talking about in black and white. So we, we are all in the same category together. 
Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Yeah. We were. We were, we, we were outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Yeah. Once you were far from God, but, but now you've, brought near to, you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Christ. That's that's everything. Mm, that's everything. Dorian, yeah. why pick up where yeah, I left yeah, off? Yeah, because we were we were having a chat about this, and and really just picking up from the in the very next uh, verse uh, here in in Ephesians chapter two, verse fourteen. The word of God says, "For he himself, Christ, is our peace, who has made both one, both one, the uncircumcised and circumcised one, and has broken down the middle wall." of separation Hmm. and we were just talking about this in regards to division is that christ he finished the work he he completed the work for all of us so we don't take away from what he did but what we did do in our nation is we built up another wall he tore down the wall that was that was built up between the, the circumcised and the uncircumcised but in the United States, we built up another wall that has divided us racially and even amongst classes. And uh, even uh, this morning, I was thinking about this, that, you know, somebody might say, well, wasn't the blood of Christ strong enough that it tore down all the walls? Yes, it was. But I was thinking about even in other countries, you can be free in this country. You can have liberty and you can you know, be free to vote or whatever you're free to do. If you go to some other nations, those freedoms you have here will not be recognized there because of walls that have been built up. Whether you're talking about North Korea, China, Afghanistan, there are certain things that have been established in those nations that despite of what Jesus Christ did to tear down the wall of separation, that nations have built up walls. And so here in our country, we have built up a wall that we as a church have to tear down. We have a responsibility to tear down this wall that we have built up which is racism. And I just, I wanted to point that out because I do believe that what Christ did was that he, he finished the work. And then he tore down this wall of separation that divided uh, the, the uncircumcised from the circumcised. But here in our country, we have built up another wall that exists, and that is through racism. And that's what we have a responsibility and to And I want to take that a little further because I truly believe we've built the wall inside the church. Yes. And and um, that's the worst. Yeah. Because we can't we can't change the outside if we're screwed up on the inside. Right. You know, that, that just doesn't work. And we've built up another wall yeah. inside. Yeah. And so we have the black church and the white church mm-hmm. and, and and all the things that go along with that. And so when when one group is influenced by the outside, the world, and the demons, mm-hmm. we come back to the wall, yeah. and, and we stop right there. Yeah. What you just read basically said that, that what Jesus did for us allowed God to take the Jew, the Gentile, the black, the white, yeah. made us one. 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 In other words, um, we... We are like a whole new, new race of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. 
We are not, we are no longer, you know, right. what is it? We're no longer uh, slave or, slave or free, free, black, you know, we'll go yeah. black and white. We're no longer those things. Now, doesn't, we're going to get to the next point in a moment yeah. where we all have our individual qualities and character mm -hmm. and all of those things. Yeah. But as far as people go, we're a new race, yeah. a, a Jesus race, yeah. if, yeah. if you will. And, and that wall can't exist within the church. Mm, and good. I think. Well, and I would just say, keep on going, but I just want to finish out that, that text Go because ahead. it <laughs> says it in black and white. What we're yeah. talking about here, Paul just keeps on saying, he says, for, for he himself, Jesus is our peace who has made the two one mm -hmm. and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing it, abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one, one. new man one new mm. yeah. out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Yes. <laughs> he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near, for through him... We have, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. spirit. Mm. Racism has no place here. No place exactly. in the body of Christ. It has no place here. It should have no place here. And that's where this starts. That's where the change starts. It starts within the body of Christ. Jesus showed us this with with Simon Peter, yeah. and and we saw the story. And Peter, it took a revelation from God. And in the Revelation, you can read about it. I think it's the two longest chapters in the book of Acts. It's, it's, it's Acts 10 and 11, where God just gave Peter a revelation that just blew him away. And all of a sudden, he became a rebel. Now, he, he messed up a few times after that. And yep. as we talked about, Paul, Paul called him right. out. He, he, <laughs> exactly he, right, he yeah. nailed him. But at the same time, Jesus was setting a standard that I do think in our country we've walked away from. And, and I think that, that the only way that this is going to change, and folks, I would implore you again, be on your knees. Ask God for a revelation. Our hearts are cold. Our hearts are hardened. We watch the news. We, we hear all the garbage, all the Facebook stuff, and we choose sides, and, and, and all this stuff is worked up. Oh, man, we're missing it. We're missing what Jesus is trying to do in our midst. And we need to lay down all the stuff and then fall before Jesus and, and just, just melt. Yeah. Just melt and let him do what he's wanted to do from the beginning of time yeah. and, and has created the body of Christ. You guys have anything so, else to add on to, to I would just I would add to that and segueing into the next point. One of the reasons why I feel like that we as a church miss it. Um, and have missed it so consistently. And I put myself in this. Look, I've said before, I'm a product of the church. Um, I was born and raised in it. I love it. I think he said he was the a church, church rat. rat. Yeah. 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 Just, just yeah. hang around, man. I do anything and everything. I've done it all. Clean toilets, mop for it. I've done it. I've done it all. But um, I do think that one place that we've missed it, while we haven't lived up to the standard, in the church, let's not talk about the world, mm -hmm. um, even in the church that Paul sets before us in Ephesians 2 is, we've kind of been talking through this the last several weeks, is we as the church have been so eager 
to just jump into the world of American politics. I'll just say that because that's the context that we all live in and operate in. Especially right now. Exactly. And we want to get our talking points from our particular side, whatever side that falls on. And I'm not here to debate one or the other. Um, And we have completely lost our biblical foundation. Hmm. We have forgotten who we are. Hmm. We are not an American who happens to be a Christian. Right. And look, I'm thankful that I'm an American. I'm thankful to God that I was allowed to be born in this. It has massive problems. We're working through that even right now. We're seeing it's got massive problems. But I still believe there's redeemable qualities within it. There's no nation, no empire that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to be very clear. I'm, you know, I don't wish I was born anything else. But, but I think we lose as people that are trying to follow Jesus the very real message of Scripture that the moment we are baptized, and I won't take time to go into all those scriptures, but the moment we're baptized, we relinquish our citizenship and we relinquish all of the ties that tie us to earthly kingdoms slash empires slash countries. And if we're going to really put our money where our mouth is and say we're followers of Jesus... If you read his word, the moment that we accept that, we follow him and baptize, we get a new family, we come into one family, and all of a sudden everything changes. The world turns on its head. Mm. And now I'm supposed to be living a new reality, not based upon whatever political agenda that I happen to agree with that my particular party or country is promoting. I now belong to another country. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I now belong my citizenship and, and Peter Peter, the guy that I was going to say, he's the guy, the guy that was racist, yeah. the guy that you know had a lot of stuff to work through, even after Pentecost and after you know he's the big preacher that brings it to the Gentiles. We talked about it; he's still getting it wrong some, and him and Paul working through these issues. But he writes a letter, and, and this ex-racist tells us um, in his letter in First Peter. Uh, I, don't, I wish I had time to read the whole thing. Go read First Peter. Go read the whole <laughs> yeah. your homework. Highly this recommended. Week. <laughs> Ephesians and First Peter. Yeah. Um, but in Ephesians, First uh, Peter two uh, nine, very popular. But I don't think we really again live within the context of it many times. Uh, Peter says, "You are a chosen people." He's talking to the church. He says, "You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy." Nation. Now, if you'll read the prelude to this letter, he starts out in 1 Peter 1, says this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And he's telling these people that are scattered to all different types of countries. They're living in all different countries all and all different people groups right. and all different governments. And he's saying, but that's not who you are. That government, that political system does not define you, nor does it speak for you. And you better be careful that you don't use its voice instead of God's, God's voice. voice. Come on. He says, you're a holy nation. God's yeah. very own possession. And as a result of that, you are in a very unique position. You can show others the goodness of God. Mm. For He called you out of darkness into 
His marvelous light. He goes on a few verses later and says, So therefore, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, mm. if you don't consistently and continuously remember that whatever government that you happen to be living under in this world, in whatever country, in whatever political system, if you don't continually remember and live in the context that you don't belong to that, that's not your identity. Mm. You're, you're a temporary resident and you're a foreigner. And how do temporary residents and how do foreigners live? Well, he just keeps on going later on in his letter. He says, all of you should be of one mind. Not only are we one body in Christ, we are one mind. Sympathize with each other, he said. Man, could we just stop there and hammer right. on that? Like, especially for all of us white people that want to just fight and say how, you know, this is just a political spin and, you know, we need to just move on. He, he says sympathize mm. with That's each good. other. That's good. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender hearted. How, how much tender heartedness have you seen lately on social media, even within the church? Mm. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. So the question is, am I going to live my life based on what God has called me to do? Or am I going to live my life in the context of whatever political party that I ascribe to? Wow. Wow. That's, <clears throat> that's sad. It's, it's sad to see where we are today with that. And I think that for me, the hope and joy is that we can break out of that. What I, what I think is so important about what you just said, Jeffrey, was we all have the things we like about America, about who we are, what we, what we have, and, right. and we can watch the news and we can say, oh, that shouldn't happen, and this is what happened, and this is wrong. And <clears throat> but Peter quickly moves from our location Yes. Which is we're we're a resident alien, right. which reminds me of a book that Jeffrey said he was going to buy us, but I, I, I I'm buying it yet. for you today. <laughs> I'm looking seen, for it on I'm my getting it for you today. Yeah. <laughs> but but he he moves from the geography to a position. Yes, the position was like on your face, weeping. Yes, sympathizing, yeah. not not pointing fingers, yeah. not trying to prove a point, but our brothers and sisters are hurting. Mm. And if we if we put politics over that, if we put a party over over top of that, we again we've built the wall back oh, yeah. in the church. Yeah. In the church. Yeah. And and we wonder why I'm sorry, Zoe. Good, good. But we wonder why, like why has the church been so anemic in America? Why are we not being effective and yes. reaching the lost people when in fact why would they want what the church has been promoting right. when all they see is well this is just another system it's yeah. another it's another belief system that's in the world and the arena of ideals in yeah. our country and why get into that fray when if you look at the new testament and what jesus did in his ministry 
It was not, and I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Don't blame these two guys for what I'm about to say. I haven't even vetted it through them. So they're nervous right now. Look at it. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and even say that within the church, because we're talking about the church right now, historically, if we're not careful, I think if we look at an honest, reflective view, we have been more concerned about a systematic theology and belief system and structuring it and defending it. And look, I'm not necessarily against theology. I spent a lot of money and a lot of time studying it. Mm -hmm. But Jesus, as far as I can tell within the scripture and in his ministry, show me where he was trying to put together some systematic theology. Hmm. He wasn't. Mm -hmm. He wasn't trying to come and create a belief system. He was coming to create a new way of being mm -hmm. and a new way of living and a new life. Yeah. Yeah. And if the church can recapture that and stop worrying about being right on every point and just say it's not about being right and winning all the points and mm -hmm. getting, you know, my little checkmate uh, move that I got into you got you on, on in an argument verbally. It's no we live different. It's a new way of living. Yeah. It's a new way of life. That can be highly, highly attractive, attractive yeah, right. in the middle of a broken world. Right. I was just going to – no, I love it, Jeffrey. You could have kept going for me. But I, I, I love that you went to First Peter, but we could have stayed right there in Ephesians yeah. 2 for the point you just made. Ephesians 2, the very next verse, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens – Yes. With the saints and members of the household of God. And that is exactly what I, I love your energy behind this. And I'm, I'm with you. That is where we have to get it's to a place where we're not American citizens more than we are kingdom, kingdom yes. citizens. That's right. And when we become kingdom citizens together, then a lot of these barriers and these walls that we have built up, we've allowed to stand in the church and in our nation, we begin to tear them down. So we first have to understand that. In the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not, you, you mentioned like location versus position, that the kingdom of God is not just an area of land. The kingdom of God is the rulership, the actual ruling of God. When we submit to the kingdom and be, yes. become kingdom citizens, we're no longer uh, submitting to whether it's a, a, a Republican or Democratic Party or mm -hmm. any other system more than we submit to the rulership and ruling of God. And I shared this with, uh, with some of our leadership team. A lot of things that have happened on, on social media, you mentioned the fights and, the, and a lot of the comments that happen out there. And a knee-jerk reaction, you want to respond and make your point. Yeah. But what God was showing me is, look, don't respond to make your point or to be right. Get in my word. Yeah. Because when we, when we get into the word of God, we're then saying, God, I want to submit and become a kingdom citizen. I want your rulership, your ruling to come through in my life. And when we do that, we, we, we distance ourselves from this, this other false identity of, uh, of whether you want to call it Americanism, whatever you want to call it, this false identity when we are to be identified through Jesus Christ. And I, I'm trying to be mindful of our time because I know we're yeah. coming to a close here, but I have to just say this point is that when Jesus came, he did a lot for us. One of the things that Jesus did is he brought us back into relationship with the father. And it, had he not become the, the, the sacrificial lamb and through his death, through his shed blood, that he met the requirements of the law and 
he did away with the, the covenant of, of, of the law and brought about a better covenant and better promises. And we have the covenant of grace. Had he not done that, we would have not had the opportunity to even know God as father and have this relationship. And I believe that did we talk about kingdom citizenship and we, we're talking about uh, coming together in unity. It's all because Jesus brought us into this family together. And we're a part of this family. I know we, we may not have time now, but we, we had our conversations about uh, the church being more of a family, right. being the, the family of God, uh, than us trying to stand on, on other uh, doctrines and, and principles. But I just I, I love what you're saying, so I just wanted to just comment on that. Yeah, I think you guys got to calm down a little bit. <laughs> We've still got two What's more in points. this water? You, can, you put three preachers, uh, three Bibles, and some notes together. and We didn't get through point one. <laughs> yeah, this thing's going to go crazy. Um, so revelation. We need a revelation, a yeah. personal revelation. It's a spiritual thing. It's something yeah. that God does deep within our hearts. The, the second thing is we also get to embrace our differences yes. in the middle of this. Nobody's saying we have to look alike. Right. Nobody's saying we have to act alike. In fact, it's all of these things that, that create this, the beauty of this. We have cultural things that come from our families and, and yeah. our the, the geographies. I mean... Jeffrey comes from Louisiana. That's yeah, how you say it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some problems down there. <laughs> and he brings them all with him, you know, but it's beautiful. And, and I mean, we're all different. Um, at, at some point, Revelation talks about the fact that we're going to take those things mm -hmm. that have those differences, those, those things that God gifted us with, and we're going to lay those at the feet of, of Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. The, those are... That those are part of the things that we're bringing yeah. and laying down and saying, here, I did everything I could with this. It's yours. Yeah. You know, and that could be anything, it, it, you know, as far as, as him using those things in the kingdom. I think yeah. about music, for instance. I just, just imagine all the different kinds of music yeah. that, that are going to be in heaven, you know, from centuries and centuries and, and thousands of years yeah. of, of music. I think the only music that won't be allowed, there's country music. Everything. Come, come on now, that's my roots. So. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe. But I'm 90s just saying, country, he'll let 90s country. Yeah, I'm just saying that, that we don't have to look alike, talk alike, yeah. say the same things. Part of yeah. the beauty of taking down the wall in the church is we, we just bring everything that we have yeah. that God has given us to the party. Yeah. And it, it, it makes for an, a, a most incredible thing. Yeah. Um, we don't need to talk much about that. But the last one I, I wanna, I'm going to throw out there, I, I want to tell you something I, I just read and it broke my heart. Um, one of my uh, heroes uh, in, in terms of the gospel, in terms of, of the, the black movement in our country and, and is Dr. John Perkins. The guy, when, when you read about him, you, you study what he did and, and he's, still, yeah. he's still an amazing, wonderful, wonderful man. I'm so glad that he's still with us today. Um, but in the 60s, um, he kind of came to life uh, during the civil rights movement and, and um, uh, I can't remember what state it was in. I think it may have been Mississippi, but but there were some people, uh, some black people who were were uh, put in jail by the police. They were beaten. They, I mean, they were just messed up, and they were peaceful protesters. 
they weren't doing anything. And so he heads down to the jail, wherever this was, and he begins to to talk to the police and just say, hey, they haven't done anything wrong. Why are you, why are you beating them? Why are you doing? Well, they started beating him. And uh, he, he almost died. He, they didn't think he was going to make it through the night. God, God protected him. And, 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 but that was the beginning of his, his ministry uh, to the, um, uh, just to the, our country and, and what he did. But he talks about the darkest day of his life. And you would think it was that day, but it wasn't. And he, he said that um, that there were he he built this relationship with these two white guys, who who met with him regularly. They prayed for reconciliation. They 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 helped support the movement financially. Uh, these guys were in it. I mean, they they wanted to see God do something special. These guys, uh, both guys lost their jobs. They, their jobs were stripped from them because of the relationship that he had with, with Dr. Perkins. They, they um, lost their friends. Their church, both churches, excommunicated them from the churches. They, um, their families rejected them. Yeah. They lost everything to, to be part of this. And ultimately, both of them committed suicide. They lost so much. Wow. And it just broke Dr. Perkins. And he, he wrote these words. He says, and oh, these are huge words. He goes, does the gospel have enough power to burn through racism? Does the gospel have enough power to burn through racism? And I think you have to answer that question recognizing that, yes, we've got to fall on our faces before God. We need to recognize the value of each other. But there is an element of bravery that goes along yes. with this today. What we are suggesting to the black church, the white church, and to the world is that we need to love each other. We need to be together. We need to throw away all these things that have gotten in the way. And the church is where it's to happen. And that's not going to be the most popular message out there. I can tell you just from some of the responses I've received uh, from, from different people. This isn't, you know, the, the greatest thing. If you want popularity, you probably ought to go do something else. I don't pretend to be anywhere close to where these people have been and experience what they've experienced. But I will tell you this, they've earned the right of, of my engagement yeah. and anything I can do to, to help get to the, the thing that Dr. Martin Luther King dreamed of, the, the thing that John Perkins has dreamed of, the thing that we've dreamed of. We, we need to give it everything we've got. This cannot be a series. It can't be something that's simply enlightening. It needs to be something that grips us and changes us and, and it just changes the world around us. And I do believe that, yes, the gospel has enough power to burn yeah. through racism as long as we apply the gospel to our lives yeah. and can get away from all this other garbage and, and go do life the way Jesus is. As long as we allow story. ourselves to be shaped by the gospel and us not try to make the gospel fit our <laughs> yes. Mold. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think back to Peter along those lines, he says in in, in 1 Peter 2, um, he reminds those early followers of Jesus 
um, that need to be living as foreigners and aliens within the world, operating off a different perspective, following this carpenter from Nazareth named Jesus, who happened to be the Son of God. He, he says, you are coming to Christ in um, verse 4 of chapter 2. He says, you're coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then I love this. He says, I, he, he sets this up. He's like, I don't want you to be deceived in what that means mm-hmm. and who you are coming to when you come to Christ. It's not this prosperity like, you know, lay all your burdens down and Jesus is going to make everything better and he's going to make you live your best life and blah, blah, blah. Whatever we've in American Christianity has made right. that out to be. He says, you're coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God. Mm. Mm. This is who you're to lay your life down to follow. Don't ever forget, if you're going to follow him, he was rejected by people, yeah. but he was chosen by God. Yeah. Yeah, You've got to be willing to do that. I used to think that some of the most awesome radical things that Jesus did were miracles and healing and signs and wonder. But the more that I have grown in my relationship, and, and I think uh, most people will, will see this as well, the most radical thing that Jesus ever did was love. Mm-hmm. And the Word of God says that while we were yet still sinners, yeah. Christ demonstrated his love for us. He loved us. And in, in, in every uh, story that we read about Jesus Christ, we see the power of of his love. And I think if if we're not careful, we're tempted to look at, you know, him walking on water or putting somebody's ear back on their head or uh, you know, putting mud on somebody's eye and they receive sight. But the most radical thing that he did was his love. It's the way that he loved us despite of our unfaithfulness, our ungratefulness and all those things. His love and I am reminded of a quote I heard somebody say about being a bridge and especially in this time I'm talking about uh, between races as well, is that if you decide to become a bridge, you get walked on by both sides. But to your point, Pastor Greg, this bravery we were talking about, it's worth it. And I still, even if I do get walked on by both sides, I choose to be a bridge. You're going to get rejected by people. Yep. If you follow Jesus. Yeah, it's not popular. No. It's just right. So, I want to pray. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able 
through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Generations and your family 
In Black and White has been a powerful and challenging series. And if you're like me, I know it has stirred up so many questions. So as this series comes to an end on August 9th, we want to wrap up with a Q&A Sunday. At the bottom of your screen is a button that says Series Q&A. And we would love for you to take a moment, click the button, and submit any questions that you have about this series, about racial injustice, about God's kingdom, and our panel of pastors will comb through these questions and answer as many as they can on August 9th. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you right back here next Sunday.